You're listening to Bloom in Tech with David Bloom. This podcast sponsored by Fabric Media in Venice, California. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Bloom and Tech. I'm your host, David Bloom, and once again, we're poking at the horizons of the worlds of entertainment, technology, and media to see where they collide and to pick through the rubble to find a few golden nuggets of wisdom we can use to get through the day. This week, I have a couple of fun things. I want to talk a little bit about the Oscar ceremony, but not really the thing that everybody else is talking about. I don't think I have much to add to that part of the conversation, nor do I think most others do either but about some other things, and I'll get to that in a minute. I'm also going to be talking with Andrew Walraven, who is the CEO and founder of a really interesting app called Topico, T-O-P-I-C-O, that is designed to try to fix some of the challenges we face as news organizations, journalists, consumers of news, with the news feeds as created by our social media outlets and others. Andrew and I sat down recently and had a fantastic conversation about what Topico is and the problems it's trying to fix, and I strongly recommend you stick around for that. For now, let me just turn real quickly to some of what happened last weekend. Uh, That was some kind of Oscar ceremony with a billion takes on the slap heard round the world, progress on a more inclusive event, and look at this, much higher ratings. In fact, Nielsen said viewership of this year's Oscar cast on ABC was up 56% compared to last year, which was the all-time low. More substantively, Sunday Night's Telecast was the first streaming Oscars, as I would like to call them, where Apple TV Plus movie Coda won Best Picture and projects from Hulu, Disney Plus, Netflix, and HBO Max also won notable Oscars, including director, documentary feature, animated feature, screenplay, cinematography, and visual effects. The plethora of prizes suggests the formerly fusty Motion Picture Academy has generally moved past its streaming antipathy, if not specifically its antipathy toward Netflix for starting this whole thing. Netflix had 10 nominated movies, but ended up with only one win. But overall, it's worth noting that even Netflix critic Steven Spielberg probably had far more people watch his brilliant West Side Story remake on Disney Plus than in theaters, where it's stiffed with a mere $75 million in worldwide theatrical gross. So streaming services and their streaming mostly or streaming only projects likely will continue to be a huge part of the Oscars going forward. Now comes the bigger question. When does the Oscar telecast itself become a streaming mostly event? Pondering the streaming future of the Oscars telecast is just one instance of a much bigger conversation about how soon old, reliable parts of the broadcast basic cable bundle move mostly online. As those stalwarts decamp to digital, cord cutting likely will accelerate into freefall in coming years. Already we're seeing foundational parts of the broadcast program guide shifting online. Amazon Prime Video already ponied up for billions of dollars for Thursday Night Football from the NFL and reportedly is in the lead to scoop up the league's Sunday ticket package if it doesn't lose out to Apple TV+, Plus, which this coming Friday night will begin Friday Night Baseball for the first time, streaming its first live sports programming, but I suspect not its last or only sports programming. Local news is now all over the internet, too, through aggregators such as Newsy and Stir. And for national and international news, CNN Plus launched this week, a big step away from the cable bundle by one of its most iconic brands. Award shows have been another reliable ratings driver since the Oscar ceremony first debuted on NBC way back in 1953. 
almost a quarter of a century after the Oscars actually began. In fact, some award shows in subsequent decades seem to create more as ad dollar extraction devices than legitimate opportunities to recognize good creative work. Not to say the Oscars are that, though they have that component, but it is clear that uh, some of these were made for TV events that won't survive the transition to uh, a new world. But how much longer can Oscars even stay on broadcast outlets? Yes, ratings were up huge compared to last year's strangled, pandemic-cursed, and glamour-free event where only a tiny fraction of Academy membership was allowed to attend an outdoor event held at the courtyards of a train station in downtown Los Angeles. Even with a 56% improvement over last year, however, 2022 was still the second worst ratings in Oscars history, and by a lot. In fact, 2020's ceremony, held weeks before the pandemic shut everything down, was the previous worst year ever for ratings, and it still attracted nearly a third more viewers, 23.6 million, than this year. Yes, Disney used Sunday Night's platform to promote virtually everything it does that has some sort of connection to video. And yes, the show still featured plenty of ads from luxury brands such as Rolex. That's great news for the bottom lines of both the Academy and, the, and ABC. The Academy, importantly, uses that money to fund its operations and its programs, its admirable programs, I might add, in film preservation, education, and similar areas. Finally, yes, there were halting steps towards a more online-oriented show this year. Hulu streamed the red carpet proceedings for an hour and a half before sending viewers to watch the ceremony itself on its local broadcast outlet. The much-loved yet consistently criticized in memoriam segment had several welcome improvements this year, not least an on-air link to still more memorials to industry notables who died in the past year. This year already featured new Twitter polls for fan-favorite movies and cheer-worthy moments, uh, though those were received with uh, a certain uh, skepticism, I'll say. No surprise, for instance, that a bunch of hardcore Zack Snyder fans hijacked the online polls, making his Army of the Dead on Netflix the top movie at a scene from his uh, Justice League recut featuring The Flash as the most cheer-worthy moment. But how about we take the online Oscars further still? Starting with more polls and perhaps a little more election integrity in the voting to give viewers more of a sense of involvement and engagement. If you really want to get viewers engaged, how about, I don't know, online gambling? Let's add prop bets in each category over who will win, which streaming service or studio will claim the most statues, even the length of acceptance speeches. Remember, there will be no playing off of speakers when you don't have to worry about show length in a non-broadcast experience. Going online would give fans the chance to remix the show for their own purposes. Don't care about all that music stuff? Zap it. Or go the other direction and add still more music material, including behind-the-scenes interviews featuring each song's artists, scenes, and writers. We saw the show producers add a sixth song that was not nominated but probably should have been, which is We Don't Talk About Bruno from Encanto, which ended up winning the Best Animated Feature. The show producers added uh, We Don't Talk About Bruno because it had become a much bigger hit on TikTok than the one that was nominated, Dos Oreguitas. The telecast added Megan Thee Stallion to Bruno's performance, but fans likely would have enjoyed both more and longer performances of that and other musical contenders, especially James Bond's winning song, No Time to Die, the theme by Billie Eilish and her brother-slash-writer-slash-producer, co-writer and producer Phineas. Uh, Speaking of behind the scenes, what about more video from backstage during the production and in the press room where 
Uh, winners talk about winning and sometimes get asked ridiculous non-questions from swooning foreign quasi-journalists. Not that I've spent too much time back there, but the few times I have, it would be fun to mock those folks who uh, talk about how wonderful Cape Blanchett is and don't bother to ask a question in our time that we have available. Or maybe, if you want to remix your show, you'd like to explore the 60th anniversary of the James Bond franchise, especially now that Amazon has swallowed up MGM and United Artists. Or 50 years of the Godfather trilogy. Both those iconic franchises received cursory moments in the spotlight during the telecast, but it would have been lovely to hear more from Francis Ford Coppola, for instance, about the crucial role legendary Paramount Studios chairman Robert Evans played in getting the first Godfather made. No doubt Paramount Plus, with its upcoming series about just that question, the offer, would happily have sponsored it all. Want to dive into the SciTech Awards, the Scientific and Technological Achievement Awards, to understand exactly what all those achievements actually do? Or maybe, here's a thought, you wanted to see live all the pre-taped presentations to winners of Lifetime Achievement Awards, or even the eight categories that were banished from the the live telecast and given out an hour before in a pre-taped fashion then sort of wedged in the Academy would no longer need to worry about trimming time for a broadcast-length show, which, by the way, still ran over by 36 minutes despite all these so-called time savings. And with show length no longer an issue, the Academy could even add more categories, like for stunt performers, which many in the Academy have long sought, but it has always been stiff-armed with the concern that, again, it would make the show longer. Whenever the Academy finally fully embraces its streaming future, it will have lots of intriguing options for a far more interesting and ambitious show. Just look at what the Grammys are doing this week with Roblox and some sponsors to create experiences in Roblox's online three-dimensional spaces, the three-dimensional worlds, and I think that's a really interesting opportunity to reach out to a younger crowd for the Academy, too. Sunday night's broadcast did, in many ways, demonstrate the electric possibilities of a live event. And it wasn't just because of Will Smith's disorienting onstage assault on Chris Rock. Emotional and thoughtful acceptance speeches by Season of Soul director Amir Questlove Thompson, Jessica Chastain, Troy Kotzer, and even Smith himself all showed why live can be powerful. The question to me will be, how to preserve that power even as award shows finally make their leap into the future. Now, hang on a bit. I'll be right back with my conversation with uh, Andrew Walraven of Topico talking about the future of news, uh, the Topico app, and how we fix the news feed and all the problems it's causing. Talk to you in a minute. And we're back. So here is my conversation with Andrew Walraven, the founder and CEO of Topico, an app you can find on the iOS store for now and uh, more to come. I find it a really fascinating conversation and a really fascinating app that has a lot of potential and getting a lot of interest from uh, a wide variety of folks throughout journalism and journalism education. So here is my talk with Andrew. Hi, everybody. I'm David Bloom. I am here with Andy Walraven, CEO of Topico. We are sitting in the offices of Neuhaus in Columbia Square in Hollywood, the ancestral home of CBS radio and TV, where War of the Worlds was recorded a long time ago by Orson Welles, where I Love Lucy 
uh, taped for years. And uh, these days where a bunch of tech and media entrepreneurs hang out and do things like podcast with me. And uh, Andy, welcome. Thanks, David. So uh, Topico, really interesting app. Tell me a little bit to begin with. Uh, where you come from and how you got into creating this app and then what do you want to do with it? Um, I actually started in film and I worked for Michael Mann back in the 90s and I got pulled into design and then I got pulled into a program called Flash and I was one of the uh, first Flash animators around town and I got a lot of work that way. To be clear, Michael Mann all about design. Oh, yeah. I mean, this is the man who did Miami Vice, who did Thief, who did a bunch of really sleek, gorgeous um, production design out the wazoo films in the 80s and 90s. And he's still still kicking around last I saw, but he hasn't done anything lately that I remember. Uh, he has a new one, Tokyo Vice. He, he, I think he directed the pilot episode. Oh, that's going to be really interesting, actually. It's a streaming show, mm -hmm. I think, and it's going to be based on a, a graphic novel, if I recall. Yes. So it should be a really interesting project. That's a nice nice marriage of Michael. So anyway, yeah. that's where you got your start. Yeah, it was funny. I actually was hired. No, we're going off on this now. Um, I, I was actually hired for only two weeks, and I ended up being there for over a year on, on heat, and I worked almost the entire uh, – I, I was one of the last, like, ten people on the entire shoot. And that, and, and that was a, a great experience to understand the arc of a – giant project. I really got dumped into the deep end to be able to see just how something goes from the beginning to actually ending up, you know, in a theater. And you can apply that to an an app or or really any sort of creative project of you really have to understand the arc of getting it out there. And um and that was a really important lesson for me to just sort of be a part of and see that whole process. And the fact that you were part of that for most of it, as opposed to just being the artisan who comes in for your three months or your your exactly. particular project and post or whatever, you got to see the whole arc of that. So that made a big difference. So from there... Yeah, go, going into uh, flash design and working with um, you know big companies. We, we did things like the Lord of the Rings uh, Academy website and we worked on, uh, on a lot of brands. Uh, I got pulled into doing some viral campaigns for Paramount Pictures and Participant. And again, it's a little bit of everything. I, learning a little bit about storytelling and things like that as well. And so uh, putting this all together, I ended up getting into the startup world. And I worked for a number of startups over the years. And again, it's that understanding of how do you take an idea and then actually have a path in your head to actually having it go live and if you don't know where you're going it's really hard to get there and so it's all about the pre-planning and really understanding about what it's going to take to execute this thing I, I like to say that people need a north star so you know which direction to face when you start trudging forward and uh, that's particularly helpful in a large project whether it's a giant film, a giant studio film in 1992, or uh, a startup that might be a little bit smaller staff. Yeah. <laughs> Slightly. Slightly. Um, so, so, again, though, film, flash, so you're using technology for graphic uses to create online experiences. 
which feels very old school because Flash is not a flash in the pan, but pretty much it, it's flashed out yeah. um, as we moved on to new tools. Um, how did you get to Topico? Best way of putting it is that I always thought of topics as being so important to our lives. We base our friendships. We base what we do, want to do for a living. We base our hobbies. You know, topics are the sort of glue to all these different facets of our life, and that makes them very important. And I have always thought if you could just harness them in some way to create a social network. And with everything that was going on, it seemed like the perfect storm of things around personal data, social networking, news and journalism, that topics could actually fix a lot of these problems by reversing or, or flipping the model of following people. And instead, let's, let's build a whole platform that's actually based on topics instead of, of people. It's really an inversion of the model that particularly Facebook um, helped pioneer and Twitter helped pioneer, inverting it from the thing somebody you, you want to follow talks about, which might be this topic or that topic, to a topic I care about, and other people, somebody might curate it, but it is a set of, of conversations around a specific issue as opposed to conversations uh, presided over by a single person. The current networks work like this. I go, oh, I'm going to follow you, David, and then you basically push everything that you want me to see. But that could be all over the map. It could be vacation photos, it could be movies, and then it could be politics. And I may not be interested in some of those things. And so the way Topico works is it flips that model and by focusing on topics, you create these what we call newsrooms, which are curated feeds of articles around specific topics that I can share with you. And you end up having a variety of newsrooms or curations on something like politics. And what's interesting to one person may not be to another. And so it's sort of this Goldilocks effect of you being able to go, oh, I really like this person's curation. And so sharing an article, to me, that is being social. The article itself is speaking for me. I'm saying, David, you should look at this article just by sharing it. And if you were to say, like it, um, you're saying to me, yeah, I found that interesting. That's all the social interaction I think we need. The rest of this stuff, it's why our tagline is news without noise. The rest of that stuff is just noise. And there's no comments on Topico. They aren't news. They, they aren't part of the news. In fact, they're the, they're the distraction and the division that's occurring around the news. A good example I use often is I saw an article from Fox News, and it was titled, The Top 10 Things You Should Know About COVID. And I thought, okay, let's see what this is. And I, I read it, and it's actually, you know, it, it was accurate. It, I, I didn't disagree with anything in there. Then I hit the comments, and wow. Um, it's almost like people were just making up stuff. Almost. <laughs> just, <laughs> you know, uh, it's like, wow, where'd they get that stat from? You know, 78% uh, of liberals hate puppies. 
You know, you just see these. Oh, that's true. Oh, okay. We all hate puppies. <laughs> exactly. But you would see these wild accusations, and then it just turns into a a, a giant fu fest. They're basically everyone is mad at each other, and and even the the topic, which was on COVID, gets hijacked in the comments and taken over and run into another direction. Election fraud or yeah. or ivermectin, or it could be a whole lot of things. Anything. And, and I think that's really an interesting notion because the whole idea behind comments a thousand years ago, A, before the pandemic and back when a simpler time, say 10 years ago, was that it was allowing the voice of the people. It was allowing people to have an opinion of their own to share that and that it provided content of its own that comments were part of the experience um reddit is perhaps the purest version of that in some ways um but it's at least moderated by people who are deeply invested in each of the subreddits some of that but it's really about uh comments about yes on this comment that's been put in there or this share or whatever it is oh, it can be a comment itself can get i guess upvoted or sure. downvoted um but as you say that that quickly got hacked um by by bad actors in lots of ways and sometimes just feckless or not very smart actors in other ways um so as you say the signal to noise ratio quickly shifted from 90 10 to 10 or 5 or 3 so well we'll think about like road rage you're in a you're in a car and you know the way people act when they're when they're driving in a car and that's nothing compared to the anonymity of the web uh it allows people to just be these versions of themselves comment that, rage com it's it, it really is that and it it's it's Kind of say, you know, some of these people, who knows, maybe they just had a bad day at work and then this is something that just sets them off and they just go off. But again, this isn't news and this doesn't belong with news and journalism. And that's that's the point of Topico is is that UGC, which is comments and other forms such as memes or photos or videos or anything that's sort of user generated doesn't belong in the same environment, in the same space as news and journalism. It actually devalues it and and because it puts it on the same level. You're looking at this feed and going, Yeah, there's oh, no there's no weighting of none. This is a, a legitimate, however you want to define legitimate, mm -hmm. news source. And this is some guy in their back bedroom or some problematic actor in uh, you know Putin's uh, hacker factories. Um, Putting out something designed to press your buttons, and there's no, there's no um, differentiation in the feed, is what you're saying. Well, it's a combination of that and no accountability or no attribution. So you can see something like a meme that just has some crazy statement on it to, to just divide us, but you don't know who made this. You don't know where this came from. You don't know the accuracy on this. And and what people forget is that it's it's. I, I see this with uh, with people all the time where they'll like something not realizing, no, you, you just basically stuck that into a cannon and shot it out to everybody when you did that. And now I'm getting this, this piece of garbage that you looked at. And that's a problem also because, again, it makes it very inexpensive to make these pieces of division 
that can go viral very quickly with the click of a button. And so, again, the idea is let's just share sourced information. It can be Fox News, it can be CNN, it can be whatever, but it has to be some sort of sourced content that I can at least see the attribution of where it came from. Well, one of the challenges, I mean, I think that that's an important step, but Mm -hmm. even there we have the opportunity, the vulnerability, I guess is the better way to put it. Um, There were, uh, I I recall that Netflix, for instance, recently walked away from um, its its presence in in Russia, uh, in part because there was a new Russian law that required them to run 20 uh, government-owned or controlled uh, channels, live channels that were sourced, uh, but perhaps not reliable. Uh, also, not really a good fit for Netflix's model. But beyond that, um, and we certainly have seen, um, I guess this is a particularly appropriate reference, uh, Potemkin news sources, <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, I mean, it's not 1917 all over, but uh, but but uh, not too but, far off. Not too far off. But uh, nineteen. I mean, things that look like a real village, that look like a real news story, but aren't. There's there's no there there. It's just a shell to convey. So how do you? How does Topico manage that? You've taken out two chunks of the noise generation. Two big chunks of the noise generation. No UGC. No user comments. Slice those out. It's got to be sourced. I mean, do you have a whitelist? I mean, how does that work? It works in in a couple of levels. One is we we do actually have a downvote. Um, so of, now, of course, people will downvote things that they just don't like. So you know that isn't a uh, surefire way of doing it. But it is a mechanism for the user to actually finally have some feedback and go. I didn't. I, I don't recommend this. Uh, as an example, is you could go and look at something that's clickbait, and once you go in there, they got you, and then you you exit out of the thing and go back to your feed. But you have no way of warning the next person, like, "Oh God, don't go look at this," and so abandon all hope, ye who go here. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> You'd have like uh, there be dragons or something, yeah, a little, like a little. I don't know if there's a uh, an emoji for that one quite yet, but uh, it's got to be taken off of like a. 15th century map or something. Totally. And I think that that's the big issue is that people feel like they don't have that. That power was taken away from them when they don't have that ability to say no. And um, and so I think that's an important thing to give back to people. Topico doesn't want to be the arbiter of truth. We don't want to say this source is good and this source is bad. What I'd rather do is say, listen, uh, this source actually uses UGC. And and based on these parameters, we actually are going to not allow this source to be posted into Topico. And of course, you're going to get things like the American bald eagle patriot.net. People will post something like that in. I think that was a a startup by the New York Times, wasn't it? (laughs) (laughs) Yes. I, I, I jokingly use that as a reference because it seems like I, uh, I have people text me that kind of stuff where it's like, hey, check out this crazy article. It's like, yeah, you're right. It's crazy. It's crazy. We're not putting it on there. Yeah. 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 And, um, and so my thought is as we continue, I actually want to give credit to the valid sources. So you could see like, oh, 
this source has won a Pulitzer, this source uh, is actually on Wikipedia, you know, things like that that can actually show that this is a valid source. And then what you can at least do is go, oh, here's something that has these credits, or do I want to believe this thing from baldeagleamericanpatriot.net that I don't know what this is. They won a Putzer prize, yeah. <laughs> which is almost a Pulitzer prize, but slightly different spelling. So. Yeah, and, and they proudly display it on proudly their Proudly display it. They, they won the Putzer. Um, I think that that's interesting. So your moderation becomes some, in part, what the community does with the downvoting saying, here be dragons. Mm -hmm. Partly it's looking at the sources that are cited and saying, what what is the quality of that organization's output? Are they are they trustworthy? Whatever their perspective might be, are they trustworthy to at least be walking a line that's related to reality? Yeah. Do they have at least some form of editorial oversight? Um, and and I think that's what's important. But but that's the thing is once this stuff gets out there, it's out there. Meaning people saw it, they believed it. No one ever sees these retractions. Right. And, and no one's going to look at the original journal that allegedly carried the report, right? That, I mean, of that's course. one of the challenges. So, so you've got some moderation going on, both from your community and within the organization, within the app itself, um, or the app, your, your company, to at least try to police the, the bounds of this. How many... Um, sources would you estimate are on the white list? It would, it's easier to say what's on the blacklist. And so the, the blacklist is, you know, the, the usual sort, you know, your YouTube or uh, anything that, uh, again, is user-generated content. Um, and every day we're editing this, this list as, as stuff comes into the system and, and weighing it not against ideology, but weighing it against these... Uh, simple guidelines. If you go there and it's got a meme of Nancy Pelosi with big bug eyes and some crazy caption, it's like, okay, this is not a editorialized. We to, yeah, we need to check. Um, but are you, you're taking video as well as text? Or are you taking audio? What's, no, what's in and what's that? Is it just text-based stuff? Art, text -driven? Articles only. Text-based only. If, uh, no videos, no photos, uh, which means no memes. Um, and so it's just no flash, no flash. <laughs> oh, we have a moment of silence for flash for flash. You know, flash did me so good for so long. And, um, and, and it, it became almost, a giant security sinkhole, right? Well, well, you know, it almost had a second a big segue. It almost had a second life with animation, right? Because right. a lot of people were, a lot of the studios were using it. Uh, right. A lot of the animation studios, uh, but yeah, it just uh, didn't happen. It and it's couldn't. not going to be on your, it's not on Topico. So let's talk about um, real world applications of uh, Topico. Who's using it? How are they using it? What kind of cool things are they doing with it? Uh, I'll give you a couple of examples. Um, one, there's an organization called uh, Over and Above Africa. And they're on endangered species, promoting uh, news on on that in Africa. I would say news is an endangered species, but that's just me oh. as a longtime journalist. So, um, oh, have a moment of silence for that. Yeah, we uh, are, lost a couple of people in Ukraine recently oh, yeah. already. Um, um, 
Yeah, and we and we should definitely talk about Ukraine. Um, so, with over and above Africa, they post articles on you know things that are going on with the African elephant or uh, with anti-poaching and stuff like that. Something recently is the koala was put on an endangered species list. But what's interesting is it wasn't from poaching. It was also due to climate change. Is there is there um, environment? The, the, the stuff that they eat, it's the eucalyptus trees are getting affected by climate change. Yep. Fires and things like Fires, that. Fires, everything. And and so what Topico does really well is it takes these two issues and shows how they're connected. Um, the app is built to explore and find the connection of topics. And so you might come in interested in something like uh, the wildfires in Australia and suddenly you find yourself looking at endangered species in Africa due to the connection of the two. The way I kind of explain it to people, it's almost like one of those detective boards where you just see all the pins in the board and that's what people are putting into the system. And when the power of Topico is we're the string. We connect everything. We in, in an n-dimensional space as yes. we like to say in our mathematics classes. <laughs> I failed. But um, you've got a topic, a blob of topic over here and a blob of topic over there, and then they overlap and then they connect over here and they're able to show uh, multiple ways and, and basically offer lots of rabbit holes, but yeah. at least rabbit holes that are not going to send you in into extremism probably. Something that's kind of interesting as a, as a personal use case I found that I was posting a few articles on a Russian oligarch, and I've been doing it for quite some time. I didn't realize I was tagging him because some of these articles are very old. And through the app, I was able to go, oh, wow, he's connected to this old article that I had posted, you know, ages ago. And so that's really interesting to start seeing these connection of articles. So one story itself uh, is interesting, you know, one article. But when you see them all connected and you start seeing them laid out in a timeline, you get context and you start understanding the connection of these things. Uh, so one thing that you can do with Topico is you can reverse the timeline on a topic. Uh, you can do it on COVID or even what's going on with Ukraine and actually see these headlines playing out in real time. Basically, it's you can follow the breadcrumbs yes. back or you can watch the breadcrumbs being laid down in reverse order. As I mentioned to you before we started recording, you know, they call it in the news business a TikTok, but <laughs> T-I-C-K, T-O-C-K, um, because it's like the clock. You're watching the clock move forward through time as it unfolds. It's a timeline that, I mean, you call it a reverse timeline. I call it a timeline. It's a timeline. It's yeah. kind of a timeline. It's sort of like pre-planning is also planning, but because yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, well. you do it ahead of time, uh, usually. Um, but uh, it is interesting to understand context and how we got here. Yeah. And I think that that is often the problem. I, while I was getting my journalism degree at the world's greatest J school, the University of Missouri, I also uh, got most of a second degree in history because history is context. And um, it's interesting that your timeline structure allows people to start to build over time that history of a topic as it unfolds, as it opens up into the thing that, holy crap, how did we get here? Well, being able to walk that back, I think, can be incredibly instructive. So how would journalists use 
Apico on a routine basis uh, for their own stories or their own organization stories. How would I use that? Well, simply posting an article is putting it into the system and then finding how that article that you posted is connected to other relevant articles is really helpful. So you might find that it's related suddenly to a topic that you didn't realize was connected or you might see another article that you know takes it into another direction. And so it's again sort of painting out a, a bigger picture. You might even find another perspective that you hadn't seen before. So I take a story about Los Angeles vaccination rates, and I put it on there in the COVID topic. Um, but it also shows up in Los Angeles. But but how how does that manifest? Because if I'm putting it in there and I'm putting my three tags on it or five tags on it, how does that how does that show me the connection to everything else? So one feature we have is called trend surfing, and Tapping on the hashtag of any topic um, allows you to actually see this visualizer so that you can si simply go, oh, right now that's connected to these relevant topics. Tapping on that topic allows you to now focus on that topic and you can then jump to that timeline. And we make it very, th this is really important, is that we make it very easy to sort of go down the freeway, take the off-ramp to go look at something, and then jump back on the freeway. The 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 thing with exploring is... There's an on-ramp back on. To yes. Because that's often the issue is you're just yeah, lost. Yeah, you're gone. just lost. And, but that's what makes you afraid to explore. Right. Because you're on track of something and you're like, I don't want to get off track. And so you're kind of afraid to like take, you know, this exit. and just You don't want to use the business loop even. No, no, you don't. And, and you get in these situations where... I think you just have this, not fear, but you're just sort of put off from checking out another direction. And so Topico makes it very easy to start surfing down a certain path and then just jump back right where you left off and, and keep going. And that's really important because, again, we want to encourage people to see other perspectives or how something is connected in, in again, like koalas to climate change. I just find that with a lot of, I'm going to be very careful. I don't want to like put down any other service. Um, but I do find that with other services, it's really hard to really just go and explore. You're kind of just trapped in this one feed that is just pushing stuff at you. And we wanted to build this in a way that, uh, allowed for very open exploration and discovery. Let's talk about, um, in the few minutes we have left, let's talk mm -hmm. about monetization, advertising, how those connect or don't with what Topico's doing. I mean, how, how does, the, does the news organization make money off this other than the opportunity for more exposure and context for their stories and you know a set of informed potential readers who want to dive into that piece and, and look at it? I mean, how... how how do you benefit them? How do you make money? Um, is advertising something you can or will do? Again, by flipping this model, we're hoping to create an ad network that's actually topic-based. And that just changes the whole dynamic because now we can actually be hyper-relevant with placing ads. And I, I think of ads as... Um, they're, they're spam when they're not relevant. 
you know, but if we can actually start connecting them to places where it's actually relevant and again, doing things like, you know, rev splits and stuff like that, where we can all benefit from, from the system, but do it in a safe manner. Um, you know, Topico is GDPR and CCPA compliant. We don't take any personal data. We don't need it. So it's not even a matter of uh, want, not wanting it. We, we just don't need it. Because again, we just even focus. with advertising, if you had yeah. it, you wouldn't need to know who's watching. You don't need demographic data on those folks. You just like we're going to do something about climate change. Patagonia might want to advertise on there because they know the people interested in climate change might be people that walk with them. On exactly. Issues. So target the feeds on on climate change. And um, <laughs> I'm being reminded to mention. Uh, uh, we have a book called The Ad War that we had written specifically around this issue. Um, and A whole book? A whole book available on Amazon. How did you find that much attention span? I, I'm, I'm in awe. Look, I've been writing 2,000-word <laughs> pieces for decades now. Well, uh, well, 50,000, 100,000 words? Well, Matt, Matt wrote it. I'm the editor. I, I basically helped him with through the structure, and we both sort of put it together. Uh, but the whole book point of the book was to go listen there's a problem and and we're at we're, we're advocates for news and journalism that's why we built this but we're also advocates for 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 advertisement there is a place for it and we all have to survive but we can do this safely and 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 our hope this again this is just our first step in putting topico out but our our hope is to actually start fixing these problems and another one of these problems is how personally invasive these ad networks are they don't have to be all you have to do is just flip the model and again it 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 makes us it, it puts us in a good position now and in the future as well you know um if it's an if it's an ad that you're interested in if if it's an ad for the new Batman movie, and you have a feed on, you know, superhero movies. Then, DC heroes, whatever. Yeah. Then hey, you know, let's let's make this all work. And and again, we don't need to know uh, any personal information, and we can all have a system where we can all benefit. <laughs> I always just picture someone window shopping, and there's just someone behind them with like a notebook and just writing down everything that they're doing. Like, oh, they went here. Oh, they bought this. Oh, they did that. And it, let's just get rid of that guy. Like, it, it, the government knows this is a problem. The, something is going to happen eventually, That and it already is. It already is in multiple countries, the EU, the UK's, even China, weirdly, is, <laughs> uh, is putting in very strong uh, controls on what those companies in China can do. Uh, there's some big caveats on how yeah. they're doing it. Uh, it's like you can't do it, but we can. <laughs> yeah, exactly. uh, but but that being said, India uh, very concerned and, and doing a lot of legislation as yeah. well. So uh, major, major, major company uh, countries around the world are, are involved in this. Um, I, I think this is probably a, a good place to wrap this up. But uh, I, how do people find Topico, and um, what's it cost to use it, et cetera, et cetera. It is free. Um, you can download it on iOS or Android. Um, again, this is our first step out into this world, and we hope that there's many more steps to come. 
we want this to be a collaborative project with not just journalists but the users themselves and and to make this thing something where again our our vision uh, for lack of a better word is um, to have a place where we can all just start sharing the news again and maybe by doing this we can repair our relationship with news and journalism which I think we, we badly need to do uh, yes, I would strongly endorse that, uh, given my own background, um, but mobile only. Uh, though, given what Apple's doing with their M1 chips, uh, soon enough, you could develop it for that pretty pretty painlessly, oh. Apple keeps saying. Yeah, so, yeah. So, um, anyway, well, thank you. Uh, this has been David Bloom uh, with Andy Wallraven, the CEO of Topico, talking about um, a really interesting app that... Uh, trying to improve the signal-to-noise ratio in our very noisy news universe. Thank you, Andy. And that's our show. This is David Bloom for Bloom & Tech. If you happen to enjoy this conversation with Andrew Walraven of Topico or my conversation, uh, my monologue earlier about uh, how we could transform the Oscars for the streaming future, please rate, review, share, and subscribe. It makes a huge difference to the uh, magic algorithm machine out there. If you really like what I do, uh, the site that syndicates my programming, Anchor.fm, makes it possible to leave a few bucks in the till and even subscribe, and that would be greatly, greatly appreciated and help keep uh, keep the wheels rolling. You also uh, have the opportunity to find me across uh, multiple outlets, so I hope uh, wherever you see it that you uh, let those outlets know that it's good stuff and you'd like to hear more. In the meantime, I hope you're well, and I hope that all is proceeding apace as we sort of come out of the pandemic. I have to say that I picked up COVID in the last week and a half, and it's not been fun, but not horrific. Thank goodness for being vaxxed and boosted. Probably made it far less serious than it might have been, though it's still a challenge. In the meantime, I hope you are well and staying healthy and your life is thriving. This is David Bloom for Bloom and Tech, over and out. You've been listening to Bloom and Tech. I am your host, David Bloom. Thanks so much. And our podcast has been sponsored in this episode by Fabric Media in Venice, California. Take care, everyone. Thank you.